0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. This morning, our study of the scriptures, I hope, will straddle both the Old and the New Testament, because you remember in the early chapters of Genesis, you read that at each stage of creation, what was said about it, that it was very good that it was everything god had made was perfect and at the end of the creation or the last aspect of god's creation he created our first parents and they were a perfect couple having now inhabited a perfect world and initially in a perfect relationship with their creator but of course as we know sin entered the world And that established a a chasm a rift between God and man and as God had said that sin was not something that would be just uh, occurring in the life of, of Adam and Eve but if they sinned that then that would be transmitted to each and every generation born thereafter and that was the case and Genesis chapter 6 really teaches us a bit about what had happened in the world the world started to be populated and unfortunately in those days as even in today sin abounded things got worse and worse and worse and in fact at one point we believe that it said that God was grieved nearly that he had created the world and he decided that he had to take some sort of action And that action was going to really mean that he was going to, in some respects, start over again. But they couldn't start over again completely because the sin of Adam was going to always be transmitted to those who were born in the world. But this situation was such that he felt that there was only going to be one family starting again, and that was Noah's family. And that everyone else, for one reason or another, because of sin, were going to be obliterated from the world And we discover that the choice of Noah was simply because Noah, we read, was a righteous man. That he was like a star in the sky in the middle of the night. He was like a flower blooming in the the middle of the winter. He stood out head and shoulders above everybody else as someone who pleased God. And we read that God spoke directly to Noah and God told Noah that there were certain things he was to do. So I want to begin by looking first of all at the prediction of the flood. The stage is set. Noah, Noah, as I said, was contrasted to every other human living being in the world at that particular time. He was righteous in the eyes of God. He was a saint in many respects among the sinners. And the earth, we're told, was full of violence where the strong opposed the weak. There was cruelty, there was injustice, there was everything that God didn't want in his world. And in verse 13, it speaks of a flood, that this was a communication that God was going to have with Noah, and he was predicting that there would be a flood, and he warned Noah of the intended destruction that there was going to be in the world at that particular time. But he promised that Noah would be safe if Noah followed his instructions in the building of an ark. So there was the prediction of the flood to Noah. And then there was the construction of the ark. Uh, we're told in the scriptures actually quite a lot about the construction of the ark. We're told something about its dimensions and its material and its accommodation. It was to be an ark, not like as we would understand a modern ship today. It didn't appear to have any means of propulsion or navigation, but it was what might be considered today to be a great houseboat. It was to be made of citrus wood, which was light in texture, but strong uh, as well. It was to be 500 feet long. It was to be about 83 feet wide, and it was to be 50 feet high. Its proportions actually were not dissimilar to Danish barges today. And in fact, many people have said that Danish barges today have been modeled on the dimensions of the ark because they are very seaworthy and they're nearly impossible to capsize with those particular dimensions the art was to have three floors a lower floor a middle floor and an upper floor there was to be a vent uh, and the roof which was in order to bring in light and air and in chap- verse 5 of chapter 7 we are told that Noah entered the ark in obedience to what God had told him to do there was no mention of his inner feelings about his anxieties about what was happening but what we're told was that Noah did precisely what God asked him to do and he triumphed in his own life over the doubts that he may have had over the difficulties that may have arisen and over the derision that he experienced so we have the prediction of the flood the construction of the ark and then there's the destruction of all flesh verses 11 and 12 of chapter 7 gives us a dr- dr- dramatic uh, description of the deluge the flood waters came there was cloudburst day after day for 40 days the, the rivers overflowed at the time of the creation of the world you remember what happened uh, God created the world in such a way that there was a distinction between the sea and the dry land. But now at this particular time, with the coming of the flood, those temp those distinctions were temporarily obliterated. There was no distinction between water and land. There was water everywhere. And it rained solidly for six weeks and we can scarcely c- conceive of the catastrophe that was experienced. The floodwaters built up and all flesh was blotted out. And then we see that having rained for 40 days and 40 nights, that the place was just completely swamped in water. And the story of the destruction is sober, but it's simple, and yet it's solemn. And then there was not only the destruction of all flesh, but there was the salvation of Noah and his family. In chapter 8, verse 1, we read that God remembered Noah, not that he was going to forget him. But after concentrating his attention on the corruption of the world, we read that God remembered Noah and the waters began to subside, the windows of heaven were closed, the source of rain was no longer uh, available at that time, and the waters started to recede. And we're told that in the seventeenth day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest. A number of days later the tops of the mountains were seen and then uh, the raven was sent out it flew back and forward for a while until a dove was sent out the dove returned it was sent out again and then it came back and it went back and forward too and it uh, eventually came back with an olive branch indicating that there was now uh, food available for the animals because the waters were receding, and Noah ventured out of the ark. God has said, "Get into the ark," and he and his family did so. And now God said, "Go forth out of the ark." Now, as we think that's the story, let's observe one or two facts. First thing is that the flood that we have read about was a single act of God's judgment. Nothing like that had ever happened before. And as we said to the children about the rainbow, nothing like that would ever happen again. Even the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah cannot be compared to this, because it involved two fairly small cities. Or we but we, we do understand that the flood covered thousands of square miles. However, to understand the relevance of the flood for us today. And if all scripture is relevant for us therefore there must be some relevance in this particular passage to understand the relevance of it for today we must move from the Old Testament to the New Testament because there are various passages in the New Testament that speak to us and tell us about the flood we read in 2nd Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 he did not spare the ancient world the implication being that he will not spare our modern world with its increased superior culture and its scientific sophistication. Second Peter speaks about the fact that God's judgment is certain. And while Noah was building the ark, what was going on around him? The neighbors, if you were one of the neighbors, what would you have thought? You'd have thought that Noah was a complete crackpot. Because here's this man in the middle of the field, building this massive construction and not a drop of water around him. You know, Has he totally and completely and utterly lost his marbles? But no, he hadn't, because the flood was a one-off event. It never had happened before, and therefore people thought it can never happen. And it never has happened since. And what does the New Testament say to us today the New Testament tells us that one day something will happen that never happened before and it will only happen once and that is that Jesus Christ will return again now how does the average individual out in the street think about the second coming of Jesus Christ In the same way probably that the people of Noah's day thought about Noah building this ark in the middle of the field and not a drop of water around him they thought he was mad and I'm sure it's true to say that that people today think when we would talk about the coming of Jesus Christ again they were absolutely mad now why would they think that well very simply they think that because they believe that there is a pattern to life what is the pattern to life well, it's daytime today, and in 12 hours or so, it will be night. We'll go to our beds and we we'll sleep during the night. And all been well, we'll waken in the morning. So day follows night, night follows day. There's a pattern, there's a pattern too, to, to every, every, every type of, uh, of season of the year we have the winter and then we have the summer. I know that there's sometimes, not sometimes a great distinction, but there is the pattern. And Jesus, or God said at the time of the Genesis that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter will not cease. So there is a pattern to life. But what happened to life at the time of Noah? That pattern was interrupted by a one-off event. And the one-off event was the flood. And what is said in the New Testament just as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man there will be an interruption in the course of nature in the pattern of, of life when the Bible tells us that God that Jesus Christ will return to the world and what can do, do we read also about Noah and his day we read that God's judgment Was sudden. It took the people of Noah's day by surprise. And when Jesus Christ comes back again, the Bible tells us it will take the world by surprise. No man knoweth the day of the hour. Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like in the days of Noah? People were giving and uh, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, they were getting on with their everyday life. And what does the scripture say about the coming of Jesus Christ? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. People will be engaged in everyday activity. You'll be out doing your work, or, or you'll be resting at home. People too will be in the field. One will be taken, and the Bible tells us the other left. People will be engaged in the normal activities of life. And then Jesus Christ will return. And to use the Uh, The physiology of the creed, to judge the living and the dead. And today, isn't it so true today to say that many people are absorbed totally in doing things that are right, out doing our work, having rest periods, looking after our family. People do all sorts of things today that are good and right, but what sometimes do they not do is that they forget about God. They don't take God into the equation, just as the people of Noah's day didn't take God into the equation. And they were caught in the hop, as it were. They should have listened to what Noah said, but they despised what he taught. And isn't it so that it's the same today? That Jesus Christ one day will come back. That's a certainty. The Bible teaches it, and he will come back with suddenness. As I quoted a moment ago, two will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left, two will be grinding at the mill. The one will be taken and the other left. To put it into language that we, of our own, two friends may be sitting together at a church service. The one will be taken and the other left. Two friends will be walking together out for some exercise. The one will be taken and the other left. Two people will be having a meal together. The one will be taken and the other left. God's judgment is certain and it's sudden. But also it's selective. As God rescued Noah from the flood, as he rescued Lot from Sodom, as he rescued Israel from Egypt, so he wants to rescue you and me from the impending disasters that may come in our lifetime, or at certainly will come in the future. Noah exercised faith, he was a righteous person. And what was his faith? His faith led to his obedience. He built the ark. He went into the ark. He trusted God despite the fact there wasn't a drop of water around about him. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is, have we exercised faith? How should we exercise faith? What should we exercise faith in? We should exercise faith first and foremostly in the past. What is our knowledge of the past? Well, our knowledge of the past, particularly from the scriptures and from other writings as well, is that God sent his son Jesus Christ into the world, that Jesus Christ was a unique person. He was different from anybody else who lived. And that he came for a particular purpose. And what happened in the past was that Jesus Christ came into the world, he taught, he loved, he was concerned for people, he built his church through his death on the cross. Do we exercise saving faith on those events in the past? But then does that lead us to exercise faith in the present? What is the present? The present is that God wants us to understand what he did in the past and apply the past to the present, to our lives today, to respond to the gospel. (coughs) Because when we respond to the gospel, then that has repercussions in our lives as far as the future is concerned. god's judgment will come for all of us it will be certain it will be sudden and in some ways it will be selective that those who are his children will go to heaven and those who are not will not the bible speaks about hell and the question we've got to ask ourselves is are we like noah and the people and, uh, and his family who exercised faith were taken into the ark and were saved from the impending disaster or are we like the people who are outside of the ark and who looked in and said oh well it'll never happen to me it'll be alright and everything will work out in the end and is not how society today probably in the main lives well we hear we have these people in the church and they have their beliefs and they tell us about this that and the other bit the necessity to become Christian but oh, you know, I'm doing my best and it'll all work out in the end. I'm sure Union Road and the Comfort Presbyterian Church, there are people in it that are no different from people in every other Presbyterian church in the country. There are those of you who have become Christians There are those of you who come to church every Sunday and you're not Christians and you might say to me you know that's a very significant statement to make but I can honestly say that I have known in virtually every church where I've had any association whatsoever that there are people who are Christians and there are people who are not. And this morning, as we come to church, and as we think about this story about the flood, about a one off event that took place that will never be repeated, and then we think about this other one off event that the same scriptures that speak about the coming of Jesus Christ, and as we celebrate that coming at Christmas, and all the teaching that he gave, those same scriptures teach that one day. Jesus Christ will come back and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead and when he judges you you need to ask yourself the question am I ready yes we can be busy in all the things that we do which are perfectly good and legitimate But sometimes we can be so busy in doing legitimate things that we forget about that other side of life, that inner self, your soul. And of course, there's that well known hymn, doesn't it say something about, Have you counted the cost if your soul should be lost? Though you gain the whole world for your own. Or another hymn that says, There's a line that is drawn. By rejecting our Lord when the call of his spirit is lost your eye cannot become a Christian just when we want you can't say I'm going to become a Christian next week you can only become a Christian when God's Spirit speaks to you giving you the ability to exercise saving faith as you come Today, maybe, that God is saying to somebody here this morning, you know, I, I'm not a Christian, but I know that I should be. And if that is going through your mind, then that is, to put it in a very simple way, that is God speaking to you. And what does the scripture say? Today, now, is the time of salvation. Today is the time not tomorrow or the next day. When God speaks, that's when we should respond because we have no guarantee that he will speak again and we'll have the ability to respond. So as we come this morning and as we think about Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, a one-off event, there will be a one-off event that will come in the future and that will involve all of us when the Lord Jesus returns will we be taken into his kingdom and hear those words well done and good and faithful servant or will we hear those awful words depart from me I never knew you it's up to you it's a something that we have to work out in our own minds and have we responded to God's grace and God's love in Jesus Christ let us pray